Okay, good morning, good khairesh. Today's daf is daf Sari test. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Avram ben Yaakov, Avigdor ben Yona Hamama, and Chaim ben Ruvain. Also, Lilunishma, Sarav Tuvia, Ben Yaakov. May their Neshomas have an Aliyah and may their memory be a blessing. Um, we're going to go from the Mishnah towards the bottom of Tari Chesabot Bay's 88b. So the Mishnah says, Nosa l'umanin l'takain. If you gave the Uman something to fix, the Kilkala, and he broke it, Chayv l'shalem is obligated to pay for it. Nosan, so now we're going to give examples. If you gave a carpenter a carriage, a box, a cupboard, or something like that to fix, the kilkel, and he broke it, you're obligated to pay for it. If, you, if a, a builder accepted to demolish a wall, and he broke the stones, or he damaged them, Chayv L'Shalem is obligated to pay. The reason is his job is to demolish the wall, but to keep the bricks so that you can use them to rebuild. If he's demolishing this, he's demolishing this side of the wall, and the wall over there, further down, collapses, he's exempt. Um, the reason being is it's a grom and not his intent. He's working on this part of the wall and another part falls down. The imachmas hamake, however, if it's causing damage because of his blows, chayev, then he would be liable. So in my mind, because that's, I mean, we know anytime you do something with your force, it's as if you did it yourself. So if he's knocking bricks out on this side of the wall and on the other side of the wall, there are other bricks shooting off or plaster, you know, shooting off from the, the blows, then obviously he would be, that's when he would be liable. Okay, now we're going to go into a discussion, which is going to be for most of the day. Um, so important to clarify, it. and this is the question of Uman does a worker acquire with the improvement he does on the vessel? Uh, how do we view it when I give you materials, I give you uh, planks of wood and I want you to build me a cupboard? Or I give you wool and I want you to dye it? How do we view that aspect when you've completed it. Emma Uman Koine Kli says that all the improvement that you've done into that wood makes it your Kli. And then when I pay you, what we would use the word pay you for your services, I'm actually really buying back the Kli. Or do we say, no, as you're working, you're earning the money and I just pay you for your services, for the labor at the end when I come to collect my product. Those are the two. Do we say, Uman koine beshvachtli? Or do we say, an Uman does not koine beshvachtli? Um, and that's the, uh, that's going to be the question. So, Omar Abasi, Loishonu, so our Mishnah, again, our Mishnah says, if you gave a carpenter something, oh, you gave the Uman something to fix, the kilkel and he damaged it, you're obligated to pay for it. So Omar Abasi, This is only where you gave the carpenter this carriage box or cupboard to put a few nails in to strengthen them or something like that. And when he put in the nails in them, he broke it. However, if you gave him the raw product, you gave him wood to make into a kli, and then he made it for Shivron, and he broke it, Potter, he would be exempt. So what do we see Ravasi's holding? Ravasi's holding, Therefore, again, if you gave him a box, you had a, I don't know, you had a, you, you had a cupboard and it's a bit rickety, so you got the woman to come and put in a few nails, and he broke it. Well, then he's going to have to pay you for breaking your box. But if you gave him raw wood to build into a cupboard, to build into a container, and he 
does that and then he breaks it, we view it as if he's breaking his own container. So he doesn't have to pay you for the container. What's he going to have to pay? He will still have to pay you for the wood. You gave him wood to build, but you don't have to pay for the container. Again, this is for this is because when he made it into this container, he improved the wood, it becomes his, and therefore he broke his, if you haven't yet paid him, he broke his item. Paying for the, for, for the wood, not for the labor. So, so the, 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 no, no, you, when you give him the wood, you're giving him the wood to build your box. And, re, I mean, we in our language, you're paying him for the building of the container. But how do we view that transaction? So according <coughs> we view that transaction as he's receiving wood, and he's receiving wood, and as he builds the container, it's his. Because he's putting in all the effort and time, so it's his. And when you go and pay him for the labor, you're actually buying back your clea. Therefore, when he builds this clea, he builds this cupboard, and then it breaks, and then he breaks it, he's broken his own cupboard. Therefore, all he's really taken from you is the wood, not the labor. Not, yeah, we're not viewing it as labor. We'll discuss sort of everything. Um, Tnan, we learned in the Mishnah. Yeah, oh, sorry, my timer. What's the reason? Uman acquires it through his, um, with the improvement he does in the clear, he acquires it. Tnan, we learned in our Mishnah, Nasal Uman, in Vikilkala, Chayovin, Shalem. Our Mishnah said, if you give it to an Uman and he breaks it, you're obligated to pay. My love, do Yoivlu ate him? This seems to imply, even if you gave him the wood, which would be against this opinion, because if it's saying, if you gave him the wood and then he's hired to pay for what he broke, then it's saying, it's not his box that he broke. It's your box that he broke, and all you would, again, this would be how, how this would be because you owe him the wages, but he actually broke your box. Says law. No, you don't have to learn the Mishnah like that. Shit a table migdal. It's where you gave him a shit a table migdal. Oh, homidic tani safer. But then the very next line in the Mishnah teaches shit a table migdal michlal. Um, the, the, so again, the first clause of the Mishnah is if you gave the uman something to fix, and he broke it. The second case of the Mishnah is if you gave him a shit a table or migdal, and he broke it. Michlal. That implies. What's the ratio? Ratio must be the different case where you gave him the wood. Okay, and the safer is where you gave him a box. So when it, the, the ratio, the first one must be where you gave him the wood. It says the ratio eats him. Because the ratio eats him must be the game. And again, what does the Mishnah there says? You're obligated to pay. So we see that even if you, so we see that the Mishnah seems to be against Rabasi. So no, Omri Perush Farish Law. The Mishnah is actually explaining it. I. Kate said, what is an example of if you gave something to the Uman and he broke it, he would be liable? That's where the case is, you gave a carpenter, shit a table migdal. So again, the mission is not two separate clauses, it's a Kate said it's an explanation. Uh, the first is if you gave him something to fix and he broke it, he's liable. That's where you gave him a box or a cupboard or something and he broke it. But not where you gave him wood to build into something. It makes it's logical to say that the case, it's, what's the case? The second part is explained in the first part. If you're going to tell me that the first clause is where he damaged, where you gave him wood, well, if the worker is liable when you gave him wood and he made it into a box and he broke it, if he's liable in that case, and we don't say, boy, why do you even have to mention the case of Migdal? If you, again, the more, the, the obvious case, I guess, is Shira Tevul Migdal, you gave him a box to fix and he broke it, then he has to replace it. But the less obvious case is the wood. So if in the case of the wood he's Chayev, well then I don't need to teach the case of Shira Tevul Migdal. So, that you, so it makes more sense to read the Mishnah as, first line is, if you gave a Uman something, to fix and he broke it. When is this? When you gave him the actual item. And if you gave him the wood to break, to, to make, 
to, to make into a kli, woman kainab shvakeli, and he would be exempt. Oh, Ibishum Hala Aria, that's not necessary. That's no you can't bring a proof from there. Tana Sefer Liklueratia. We it was taught in the Sefer to um Ligluye to uh to explain, to reveal to us the case of the ratio. Because we don't want you to say that the ratio is Shiratevil Migdal but not wood. Tana Sefer Shiratevil Migdal Michal, the ratio eats him. And to tell us that the ratio is him, and still it says you have the Shalem. So the Mishnah, um, you actually could look at it the other way. No, you need the Mishnah to say both. Wood, if you gave him wood, and if you gave him kalim, because if I just taught the one person, if you gave the uman something to fix, I would have said that's kalim. So it has to say kalim so that I know to read the ratio as even wood, and that would be against Ravashi because then it's saying if you gave him wood to fix, and he t- wood not to fix, you gave him wood to make into something, and he makes it and then breaks it, he is chayav. That's saying that he doesn't own the kli that he made. Okay, so our mission is not conclusive. You can look at our mission either way. You can look at it and saying that the, as you read it as the ratio is, um, if you gave something to the uman, he would be liable. That is where you gave him an already made kli. You could read the mission like that, or you could read the mission as if you gave him wood to make in a kli, he's liable. And obviously, and also if you gave him a box to make into a kli. And you're right. Once we've said the first clause, we don't really need the second clause. But if we didn't have the second clause, I would have misunderstood the first clause. So it says, so, okay. So Ravasi is not so straightforward. You can't prove Ravasi from the Mishnah. It says, Lema Messiah, let's actually say the following is a proof for Ravasi. So again, Ravasi is the one who holds. Uman koine beshvakli. Hanoi says, yore. If the if you gave wool to the dyer and the pot burned and and, and, and he burnt the dye. Noisenlo the made simro. You give him the value of his wool. The made simro in the made simro veshvachalo. He doesn't have to pay for the wool and the improvement. He just has to pay for the wool that he damaged. Now again, why not? He says, It must be after he burnt it, after he put the wool in the dye and it took hold. Where there is an improvement. He took plain wool and he made it into beautiful blue wool. Or red wool. We see very clearly an uman acquires it with the shvach of the kli again. Because if the, the um, as he does it, it becomes his wool. Therefore, when he subsequently burns it, ruins it, he ruins his own wool, and he just has to replace the wool that you gave him. Omar Shmuel, Shmuel says, and what are we dealing with here? Where he um, burnt it when he was putting it in, to Lake Ashwaka, where there was no improvement. So it's no proof. Shmuel's, Shmuel's explaining this brysa as where he put the wool, he was taking the wool to put it in and he put it in and burnt it as he put it in. So there's no improvement and therefore you, it, it doesn't answer the question. Oh, so now we're going to make a deduction in Shmuel. He says, So what would be if he burnt it after it was dyed? Shmuel would say, You have to pay him for the wool and the improvement. Is this, are you telling me that Shmuel argues on Ravasi? Okay, but the fact that Shmuel seemed to go out of his way to not explain it as Uman Koine Bishvachli must be, he holds, sorry, to not explain it, yeah, to not explain it as Uman Koine Bishvachli, he must hold Uman does not thing. No, here the case is where the wool and the dye belongs to the Barabais. And all you're paying the dyer is a wage. And that's very clearly interesting. He's not really... It's what's improved the wool? The dye. So all he's doing is taking your wool and your dye and putting them together. He's just doing a bit of work for you. So, you, so there, it's not a case of umun koine bishvakli. It's a worker. So therefore, um, this Mishnah 
is actually, I don't know if it's a Mishnah or Brisa, what did he say? Um, okay, yeah, so this this is no proof um, well then it short, should have taught that the, all, the, all it taught is that the Dahaya must pay back for the wool. But if the wool and the Dahaya belong to the Balabai, so then it should say he pays him the Simro Vesimanim. So, Ella Shmuel, Dechuye Komadchile. No, Shmuel's just pushing it aside. And Shmuel's not learning like that. Shmuel's just te- telling the Gemara, I'm not sure who first said the suggestion. But Shmuel's telling the Gemara that this mission is not a clear proof. Okay, so, so again, he's not necessarily arguing, he's just saying you can't bring a proof from here because it's a little bit ambiguous. You're right, that is actually the easiest way to learn. The easiest way to learn is he burnt it, he, he made the, he dyed the wool, and then he burnt it. That's the easiest way to learn. Um, but then we learn, okay, but one second there's two ways of looking at it and this Mishnah can be looked at either way because the Mishnah is not very clear um, if you gave wool to the dyer and he dyed it and then burnt it what's the halacha? so here it says he pays the wool so because he acquired it with his, with his, with his improvement it becomes his wool and therefore, all he has to pay is for what he damaged of yours, which was plain wool. However, you could also read it as you gave him wool to dye, and when he was putting the wool in, he burnt it. So he never actually acquired the wool with the improvement, with improving it. Yeah. And therefore, it's not discussing. It's not discussing the point of woman kind of bishvakli. And that, that's what Shmuel's saying. He's just saying, he's not saying I'm arguing with you, Rabasi. He's just saying I'm not, this mission is no proof for you. Okay, so Toshma, come in here. I know you Talisa the Uman, you give your garment to the Uman, imagine to the tailor. Gomrovoidia, he completes it and he lets you know. He phones you and he says, your talus is ready for, complete, for collection. He says, I feel me can add a sorry yomim. Even if it's up to 10 days later, you don't transgress. What's loisolin? If a worker finishes work for you, you have to pay him. If he finishes work for you in the day, you have to pay him by that night. And if he does work, finishes work for you at night, you have to pay him by the following morning. Loisolin is don't leave the worker's wage overnight. So, so again, so if you haven't yet collected it, you're not liable for loisolin. Nos no lo bechetzi hayom. If the worker gives you the talus, the tailor gives you the talus at midday, kivein sheshaka olav achama overlav mishum baltolin. As soon as it's sunset, you transgress baltolin. Of the isal kadatach. If you're going to tell me that the Uman acquires it with Shvakli, why do you transgress Baltolin? What's the question? If, if when the Uman takes this material you gave him and makes it into a suit, it becomes his suit, what are you doing when you go pay him for his work? You're buying the suit from him. So what happens if someone gives you a suit and you don't pay them? I mean, you're, you're a creditor, you're a debtor, but you're not not paying a worker. You're just not paying a shopkeeper. So you wouldn't transgress shakti. So by the fact that the Mishnah comes along and says, when you collect your suit that the tailor's made for you, you transgress Baltolin, must be he's considered a worker that you're paying him for the work, not buying the suit he made for you. So, ain't woman kind of a shakti. Um, Omar Reb Mori Breder of Kahana Reb Mori Breder of Kahana says the guard of the no it's not where you gave him to make the suit it's where you gave it to him to teasel to like a shakha where there's no real improvement teaseling it's an interesting process they would do um, you know, very simply they would when they were making the material they would stand on it to like I don't know how somehow it like push the it makes the stitches tighter together 
but then it gets hard from that processing. I think they put it in water with special, with special, uh, not detergents, I don't know, special material uh, treatment things, and they stand on it and makes it stiff. So you would teasel it to make it soft. The problem with teaseling is you make the material a bit weaker. It's funny, I mean, it's similar nowadays. The more expensive the wool you using, the more, I mean, it's softer and finer, but it also uh, wears down quicker. So teasling, I think it's along those lines. Teasling makes it soft and nicer, but it weakens it. So the assumption is you know, there's, no, there's no real schwach here. Because it's, what's it, uh, the gain, what's it, Yotzas Charebev Seder, the gain is lost, you lose. But by having a softer suit, you have a worse quality, a weaker suit. So it balances out. And therefore there's no shvach. At the end of the day, why are you giving it him to Larachuba? To soft Larachuba, to soften it. So if it is softened, then it's going to be that improvement. You're not, why would you do something to your suit that's going to damage it? You're going to do something that improves it. So this teasling is considered improvement. And therefore, you should inquire it, and we're back to say, look, it's by the fact that you transgress Baltolin, it must be it's still considered your suit, and ain't woman quite so he says, no, that's where you gave it for, to him to step on, to tread on. Each step he takes, you pay him a more. He's not paid to finish the, a certain amount. He's just paid to work on it. And you pay him per, I don't know how you calculate it, but each bit that he does more stepping on it, you pay him a bit more. So what's that? That's clearly paying him a wage. So that's the point. So again, where we're holding that this is a case that there is no improvement. There's no shvachli that he becomes the owner of it because he's paid per step he takes. So that's the way. It says, oh, And this that you initially thought that he wasn't hired for each step that he takes. But to finish the job, Messiah Rav Sheshes, that's actually a proof for Rav Sheshes in another point. The Moimi name Rav Sheshes, they ask Rav Sheshes, Kablonos over or love Mishum Baltolin or Eino over? If someone's paid for a job, do you transgress Baltolin or not? For Omar Luhu Rav Sheshes over, Rav Sheshes says you do transgress Baltolin. Again, so when you pay someone to do a specific job, even when they're not Koine Bishvakli, then you would, when you're paying them a wage to do something, you're paying them a fee to do something, there is uman koine beshvachli. Um, so again, this is a separate point. Again, we've just, we, we were discussing the co- in the con for us, for, for our purposes, we've brought it in to discuss the context of uman koine beshvachli. And if you do hold uman koine beshvachli, then actually there is no baltolin. Because when you take your suit from him, or whatever he's made, when you take the box from the carpenter, what it's his box that you're buying, and if, if you go to your shop, <coughs> and I go to your shop and I say, can I take this couch and I'll pay you later, and you say, sure, I don't transgress not paying the work his wager if I don't pay him by that night. Um, and then, by the way, we taught this halacha of Rav Sheshes that even with Kablonus, where you're paying someone to do a specific job, and here you're going to have to work out where there's no shvach or something like that, or where there's no actual plea that he's being coined, but shvachli, um, he would transgress it. Um, let me just think. Oh, there's just an interesting question here. There's two separate mitzvahs by Baltolin. One is, if you finish the work at night, then, you know, then it's Baltolin leaving it over to morning. And one is, if it's finished um, during the day, you're not allowed to leave it over to sunset. So they all point out that Al Gamora says, says if he finishes at midday, he still doesn't transgress. Well, does he or doesn't he transgress Baltolin? Baltolin is never under discussion. The whole question is, does he leave it past midday? Does he leave it past Shkia? Shokol of Akama. Sunset, not whether he left it overnight. So I think the simplest answer is that the Gamora is alluding to, this is not where the Gamora wants to discuss the halachas of paying a worker on time. That's in Baba Metziah. It's discussing here, Uman Koine Beshvach Kli, those halachas. Therefore, 
it, it just uses the parts of that references to that mitzvah, but it's not being precise. And we wanted to, and, and also, and I guess it could tell us, don't be pedantic. It says, Baltolin, it's me referring to the issue of paying a worker on time. Um, I don't know why, I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that answer, because then when do you get to say, oh, make a fancy explanation to fit in with why it's using Baltolin instead of and where in the Gomorrah do you say, you know, often we make a fancy explanation because it's changing something slightly. And here we say, no, it's just being imprecise. Like, uh, you can, I, f- I feel like if you take that route, you can undermine a lot of the lambdas in the Gomorrah. So, well, that's just ambiguous. Yeah. Okay. Now, Lema de Rav Sheshes, Let's suggest, maybe Rav Sheshes is arguing on Rav Again, because Kablanus, that's someone paid to do a job. You pay the tailor to make you a suit. Rav um, Sheshes says you transgress. Baltolin, when you go, if you collect the suit and you don't pay it. So, Omar Shmuel, Omar Shmuel Baracha, No, when Rav, what Rav Shashis is speaking about, for example, you pay someone to deliver the letter, and there there's no koine b'shvakli. He's got a specific job to do. It's not like, again, interested. The difference between kablanus and schirus is generally kablanus is you paid for a job, and schirus is you paid a wage. So a uh, domestic worker, uh, uh, someone who works for you in your office, they're paid a, a wage or a salary. That would be more along, more along the lines of schirus. Whereas if someone if you get a consultant or you get someone to come in to do something, you get someone to come in to fix your fridge or someone to... That's kablanus. Now, you do get kablanus where there's no shvachkli. For example, you pay him to deliver the letter. He has not made that letter any more valuable. Therefore, that's why you're paying him for the job. And that's where Rav Sheshes is discussing. Is there Baltolet? So he delivers the letter for you. He's fulfilled his job. If you don't pay him by that night, or if you delivered it at night, if you don't pay him by the next morning, you transgress um, Baltolet. I'm, I'm saying that this is, this is the difference is if you give somebody a job to do, uh, no, what I'm saying, I'm saying, even if you give someone a job to do, there's still cases where you do get uman koyne b'shvakli and cases where there's no shvakli. For example, if you pay someone to deliver a letter, he has a specific job to do. Oh, well, that's firus. But then there's a third category. What happens if you pay someone to make you a suit? Do you yeah. see? So that's what I want to There's two. So I want to focus in Kabla Nus. Pardon? You can't hold overnight if you pay somebody to make you a suit. But the question is... No. So, so, no. so what happens? You yeah. pay him to make you the suit and you collect the suit. No. What have you done? Sorry? You don't have to pay him that night if you hold Uman Koine Bishvakli. Right. Because what you, for all intents and purposes, you're buying the suit from him because he's Koine Bishvakli. If you look at that the other way, that ain't unman koine b'shvakli, then you transgress it. Then you pay seventy hour to pay you per hour to work, and by that time you have to pay. Yes, if you pay him per hour to work. But I'm saying, but what we bring it out from this point is to say that Rav Sheshes doesn't necessarily. There's even a case where you could have someone paid for a specific job, and you and you still have to pay for that. Okay. Cheers. Have a good Shabbos and a good Chodesh. Two lunch. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Then? Oh. <laughs> so Let's say it's a machlokes I do we say machlokes So aseli nizmin If a woman says, here, take this gold or whatever it is, and make me. Uh, Anklets and rings, and through that I'll marry you. As soon as he's made them, they married. That's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. They're not married until money reaches her hand. Now, my mammon, what, when we say mammon, what are we referring to? The first suggestion is we're referring to what she gave him. He gave her the she gave him the gold, he makes it into jewellery, and he gives the mammon, he gives it back to her. 
Now the Gemara is going to say that can't be because Rabbi Meir says they married as soon as it's made. You're telling me he can make it into something and not give it back to her and they married. What's he given her to marry? Nothing. So you can't say like that. Okay, so let's see. My mamon, what we referring to? mamon. Let's say it's referring to that money, either jewelry, that Rabbi Meir holds, even if he doesn't give her that money, they married. What are they getting married through? So when it says mamon, it must be referring to other money. I, Rabbi Meir holds as soon as, when it says he makes the jewelry they married, that's when he returns the jewelry. So she gives him gold and he gives her jewelry back. They married. The Chachamim holds, no, even giving her the jewelry back isn't good enough. He has to give her mamon, I, other money. He also has to pay her kesef kitushin. That's the two. Now it says. So you can't do condition with a, with a job. Well, let's see. But yeah, that, that's where we headed to discuss. So it says now the sabrua, the initial, the thought process is the kuli alma yeshno leskirus mitchilavadsof. Everyone holds that skirus takes effect from the beginning to the end. I. What does that mean? There are also two ways of looking how you pay a worker. One is, you, as he improves it bit by bit, you owe him little by little. So, he takes the gold and he makes it smooth. Oh, you owe him 10 rand. Then he starts making it into a chain. You owe him another 10 rand. And as he does each link on the chain, you owe him another 10 rand, you know. And bit by bit, as he's working, you're owing him a bit of money. Now remember, so what? That's a... Uh, the kuli alma yesh no leschirus mitchilavadsof. Everyone holds that that is how you view schirus. Schirus mitchilavadsof. Yesh no leschirus mitchilavadsof. This concept that you view his work as he does a little bit of work, he's earning money. Therefore, by the time he comes to collect the money, it's a debt that you already owe him. Because again, in the morning, as soon as he started working on it, he starts accruing what he deserves and then when you come to collect it you're paying the loan, you're paying him what you already owe him from the morning okay, that's yes no that's yes no, let's hear us midfield of ourselves now just in case I need to the examples of my brothers they're architects you pay, let's say you owe him a thousand rand, you pay the first 10% when the foundation's done the next 20% when the walls are done the next 50% when the Plastering standard in the last 10% when you move in. So that's, that's the same thing. You're no, well, here you don't, but here you, only, you are only going to pay him at the end. Right. But he's earned it as soon as he's done part of it. Okay. I, the other way of looking at it, just to contrast it, the other way of looking at it is you only become obligated in any money when it's finished. I gave it to you to pay, to. Um, again, I don't know if there's a difference in house and kalim, that's why I don't want to go there really. But if I gave you jewelry to make, so there's two ways of looking at it. As you're slowly improving it, I'm owing you little by little. Or, once it's complete, then I buy it in inverted commas. I take it from you and I pay you for that. Um, with the architect, it would not, it would be slightly differently. You only have to pay when the building's finished. <coughs> the question is, did he have rights? Had he kind of earned the money as the foundation, as first floor, as second floor, or do we say not only once the building is complete, then I'm then I'm paying him. Yeah. So he said, so and everyone holds that if you're paying, if you try to do kiddushin through a loan, that's not marriage. I if you if the, if you owe a woman money and you say I'll waive the loan, remember that's not a good kiddushin. Well, at least according to this opinion. Um, and therefore, my love, is what's left of the argument. Rivera holds that the Uman acquires it with the improvement of the Kli. When the jury is complete, it's his now. And therefore, when he gives it back to the woman, they married. Because it's his jewelry. So he says, you know, don't pay me for it. That's my jewelry. Yeah, marry me. It says, um, 
And the rabbis hold, we don't say, So it seems, because, and that's why, when he's, therefore, he owes her, she owes him the money. It's not his jewelry, it's always her jewelry. He, she owes him the money, and he can't cancel the debt. Therefore, he has to give the jewelry back. Because that's what he was paid to do, and he'll get paid for it. And he and he also has to give her, if he wants to marry her, give her some other money. Now, as you can tell, we had two initial. We we had to take two points as a given. The first point we had to take as a given is yes, and the second point is that um, So, and if you learn with those two assumptions or presumption. If you take those two considerate, if you if you hold with both of those, then the machlokes is uman koni b'shvakli. So obviously now the Gemara is going to have three ways of learning that we're not discussing uman koni b'shvakli, or that no, sorry, that Rabbanan and Rabbi Meir are not arguing on uman koni b'shvakli. The first one is lo the kulim ain't uman koni b'shvakli. You could say that. Everyone holds the Ummah does not acquire it with the Shvakli. They're arguing on whether you hold yes and let's Rabbi Meir holds that when you pay someone to do something, he only becomes entitled to the money at the end. Ah, he's not forgiving a debt. It's not, that he's, uh, he, it's not that he's owed money for each bit that he does. So you're not forgiving her a debt. He's just giving her the monetary equivalent of his services rendered. That's how you would view. So he's giving her, he's saying, oh, you're coming to pay me for my services. I'm going to give you my services as a clip. But it's not money that he was already entitled to that he's forgiving her for. Second answer. You could say that everyone agrees that we do apply both Rabbon and Rabbi Meir say we do say the money becomes owed to him as he does a little bit. And the Mahalikas says, can you get married through waving a loan? Do we, do we say that is receiving money or not? A third answer, No, everyone holds that you view it as yes, and they also hold that you can't makarish vimilva. And everyone holds that a woman is not And what's the case here? Again, so far, how would Rebbe Meir hold when he gives her back the jewelry that they married? We've said there's not, it's considered a loan and you can't get married with a loan. So how's they married when he gives her the jury back? So he says, no. What are we dealing with here? He added a jewel from his own. She's having gold and jewels to make a thing. And he took another diamond and added it to the jewelry he was making her. That's basically the giving the diamond. Oh, yes. However, Rebbe Meir holds, when you give a woman what hers plus something she doesn't she's focused on what you're adding and therefore it's what you, you're giving her the diamond and they married however Rabbonin hold no when you you're waving the the loan you're waving that she owes you money for making this jewelry and that's when you say marry me with it that's what she's focused on She's not marrying her because you're giving her an extra diamond. She's marrying you because you, you're right, you are giving her an extra diamond. But she's marrying you thinking it's for the labor. Oh, I don't have to pay you the 10,000 uh, 10, rand for the jewelry, maybe. What are, you're such a wonderful guy. Yes, I'll marry you. And that's why. So it's which, what's her focus? Okay, we'll look at the honey tie and then it would line up with the following. If the if the man says, marry me with what I did for you, what I made for you, they're not Mekodeshes. If he says, marry me with what I will do for you, 
I marry because of jewelry than I will do because they married. Rabbi Nasser, I'm a zchash esse imach. Ainu mukudeshes. The culture can be zchash or sisi imach. Rabbi Nasser says with the zchash that I made for you, they're not mukudeshes. And how much more so for the zchash that I will make for you? Again, because this opinion holds yeshno leschirus mitchila ba'atzof. So whether he's already made it or whether he will make it, all he's doing to marry her is waving alone. So that's why I was not going to be married whether he said what I did and how much more so if he says what I will do. The Rebbe Yehuda HaNasi, Omi Rebbe Yehuda HaNasi says, Be'emes Omer in truth, they said, Be'en v'zchashe asisi imoch, be'en v'zchashe esi imoch, e'en v'kudashe. Whether it's char that I made for you or whether it's that what the schar that I will do for you, they're not married. If he adds a jewel, he, they are married. Now the Gemara is going to explain the differences between each of them because it's very subtle here. Um, so the first opinion was, if it's what I did for you, they're not married. But if it's what I will do for you, they're married. And Rabbi Nasser, the second opinion says, if it's what I did for you, sorry, if it's what I will do for you, they're not married. And how much more so what I did for you. So he says, The the distinction between the Tana and Kama and the Rebinosan is Schiros. How do we view paying the wages? I, the Tana Kama holds, And that's why when she comes to pay him, if he already gave it to her, well then he can't, he can't marry her with it. But if he's going to make it for her, or she's going, maybe it's even if after he's made it, but she's before he gives it to her, I'm actually not sure on that point, then what's he saying? He's saying, marry me for the work that I'll do. And that's why it is a good kiddushin, because you can marry for work. Um, again, and that's why we see, what did the Tanakama say? What I will do, it's Mekudashas. Whereas again, Rabbi Nason holds, yes, not leschirus metchilavadzov, as he's working for her, it's a loan, and if we can never marry her with that. So that's the Tanakama and Rabbi Nasser. As he does a little bit, he's owed the money for what he's already done. If he doesn't finish the job. Good question. I was just thinking about that. On the surface, on the surface, if you say, you can say, well, you haven't done the job. I don't have to pay you. Well, well, that's a question. Do you? Because he's earned up to a certain point. Has he? I'm saying if you say, yes, you would say almost definitely. But it's also part of the contract is that he completes it. So I'm not sure. That's a good question. I was just wondering that myself. Okay, Bain Rebbe Nasser and Rebbe Yehuda Nasi. What's the machloikas between Rebbe Nasser and Rebbe Yehuda Nasi? Both of them hold, um, both hold, yes, no, sof. So Rabbi, why does Rabbi Nosson say they're not married? And Rabbi Yudanosi says if he adds a diamond, they are married. It says, is if you if it's a, if there's a loan and a pruta. Again, yes, it's always considered as a giving a loan, but Rabbi adds him. But if he adds his own thing, then they are married. Implying Rabbi Nosson would hold even if he adds his own diamond to the jury that he's making her, they're not married. So we see Rabbi Nosson and Rabbi Yehuda Nosson are arguing on Milvo Pruta. Okay, Omer Shmuel. Now we're going to our discussion again of uh, an woman who damages. When would he be liable and what would he be liable? So Omer Shmuel, Tovach Uman, if you have an expert butcher. So the experienced Shoichet. Shekilkal, he messed up. Chayv the Shalem, he's liable to play. Maziku, he's a damager. Poshayahu, he's negligent. And it's as if he told, it's as if the owner said, please shake him on the neck. And the guy went and uh, chopped off his head. Chopped, uh, I don't know, uh, chopped him in the stomach. That's check from here, and he shakes it from there. Says, Why does Shmuel need to say he's a mazik, he's negligent? Just say he's a mazik, and then he should be liable. So he says, no. If Shmuel would have said he's just a mazik, maybe that's where he's being paid to the book to, to shech the meat. But maybe where he's doing it for free, he's not liable. Why? Because maybe it's out of his control. He's a very good shoichet. And this, that the animal, it's oimes. 
that he messed up. It's out of his control that he messed up. Therefore, if it's paid work, a paid laborer, if you're paid to look after something, then you're liable, even for well, a degree of wayness. If you're doing it for, if you're watching something for free, but watch my animal for free, then you're not going to be liable for incense. So you might have said that. It says, Therefore he adds in his negligent, i.e. whether he's paid or not, he is liable. Ac they become a baguria shmuel. Rebbecham baguria challenged shmuel. Says Hanoi said behem el tavach benivla uman patur hedjot chayev. If someone gave an animal to a butcher and he makes it into an avela, he doesn't shecht it properly. If he's an uman, an expert shoychet, he's exempt. And if he's a regular person, he's liable. The, reg- the, oy- the uman is exempt because it's oynes that he messed up. Something bizarre happened that the uman messed up. But if it's a regular person, well, as soon as you accept the job, you're being negligent. What are you doing accepting to shech this guy's animal? So therefore, you're negligent and you have to pay. But if you paid him for schar, then whether he's a hedjot or whether he's a uman, you chayev. But what did we see? That an uman who is not paid is exempt. That's again Shmuel, because Shmuel said, Poshayahu, even if he's not paid, he's liable as if he's negligent. So Shmuel said, your brain is, um, um, your, your brain's uh, <laughs> murky. You're not thinking the clearest here. So Asahu, in the, before Shmuel could even explain himself why you're... Uh, you're, 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 you can't even think clearly. You're not even thinking clearly. Says and he asked the exact same question. So says you're in the same boat as your friend. You both uh, just can't think, and I'm going to give you the answer. He says what? Well, he says, as um, I'm going according to Rebbe Meir, but Kamrisuli Rabbonin, and you're asking me a kasha from the Rabbonin's Mishnah. Says, we'll, we'll come back to Rebbe Meir in more details. Says, my Lord, the actor, Mili Shani Omer, why aren't you paying attention being to the words that I'm saying? I Shmuel says, I'm not, bla- when I give a sure, I'm not blabbering. I'm not elaborating unnecessarily. I can't say that, but Shmuel can. Shmuel can say, every point I say is weighed is weighted, well thought out, and therefore a reason. So what do you say? Maziku poshayahu. I said he's a nazik, he's a poshaya. Naseko oimer loy shokot li mikan mikan. It's as if he said, shechtet yam, shechtet there. I, he's, it's as if he's doing it wrong. If I ask you to do A for me and you do B for me, how, no matter what expert you are, you can't claim to have done the job and, and exempt for oinase. So when you tell the butcher, Sheikh from here, and he shechts, it's as if he shechted from there. That's his problem, and he should be liable. He says, no, my Islay has for Who's the one who holds for this for Basically, what we're saying very, it's, it will come up, but what we're saying is basically, when it comes to shech the animal, the animal flinches or jumps. And that's why he misshechted and messed up. Now, as a woman, Granted, that is oinase. You don't know when the animal's going to jump. But Shmuel's saying, since he's a woman, we consider him. So who holds? Who's so strict with? Who's so strict with the person that certain things that are hard are still considered negligent? So Rabbi Meir it's Rabbi Meir who says he should have considered, he should have taken it into consideration. So he's an woman, he knows when he's going to shed that the animal's going to flinch. He can't use that as an excuse. Now really the animal flinching is oinate, but he should have been more careful because he knows it's going to flinch. But that's Rabbi Meir. So again, so, so again, so now we understand the three phrases. Why did he say mazik? And Poshaya, and it's as if you asked him to shift in one place and he shifted in the wrong place. First point is you need to say Mazik and Poshaya is to say that he's fully liable as if he was negligent. You don't say that's honest. And it's as if you asked him to do one thing and he did another thing. That's to tell us that he's going like Rabbi Meir, that if you that you messed up and you should be liable. Um, let's do a little bit more. Hi, um, hi Rabbi Meir. Which Rabbi Meir is it? Okay. Basically, we're going to try to see where do we see that Rebbe Meir is so strict that you have you really should have thought. Because what's Rebbe Meir saying? Don't tell. I know it's hard to worry about, and I know you've taken precautions, but don't. That's not a good enough excuse. 
That's what Rabbi Meir is saying. He's being quite strict with what you are liable for. So where do we see that Rabbi Meir holds that? So Eli Rabbi Meir, maybe it's Rabbi Meir, the following Mishnah. Koshra, Balav, Bemois, if you tied up the animal by his reins and you locked the door in front of him and he still went a, a, a footing, you, you put a footing, a strong bolt on the door. The animal went out and damaged. Whether it's a tamar or moed, you're liable. What do we see? You're liable even where you were completely careful. Don't tell me that you tied it up well is a good enough excuse. You're right, it's good enough and it's all you have to do, but it's not it's not enough and you should have been more, and you're therefore you're liable. So there's no hosam bakroipligi. There it's not necessarily because you're being male hold, you have to be extra careful. It's because the psukim tell you that you're liable in that case. Oh Elaha Rebi Ma. So maybe it's the following Rebi Ma, the Tanans we learned in a Mishnah. Litzwala Adamatsova Shaka Shakovatsova Adam, you gave it to a worker to dye it red and he dyed it black, or you gave it to dye black and he dyed it red. Rebi Ma Omen Islam the main simmer, he has to pay him back for the wool. Now even though it's a mistake. He's not doing this on purpose. He did it by mistake. And still, he should have been extra cautious. We see Rabbi Meir holds you liable when you should have been extra cautious. So the Gemara says, No, it could be discussing there where he did it on purpose. For whatever reason, you asked him to dye it red, and he's like, not a chance, I'm doing it black. Obviously, he went and he died a black. It says, Ella Horebi Mad. So it must be the following Rebbe Mad. Tonight, as we learned today, or Tatania, we learned in a Braisa. Nishbaro Kadov, Eloi Silka. If you break your jaw and you don't remove it, Noflo Kamlo, Eloi Mida. Your camel falls and you just leave it lying there. Rebbe Mad, Omer Chayb, Benazikin. If someone's damaged by it, Rebbe Mad says, You Chayb. The Chachomim Omerim, Potter me, Tina Otto, Chayb, Dina Shemaim. The Chachomim say, No, you're exempt from Tina Otto, but you're liable for Tina Shemaim. Now, over there, this was earlier on in the Masechet, that um, test. So we're going back about 70 days. The Kaim Milan, and we pass that the Benit Kaposhel, who pleaded that arguing, is someone who trips considered negligent. Uh, when he trips and drops or smashes his jaw on the floor, or he trips and his camel falls and brings his camel down with him, is that considered Pashir or not? According to the Chachomim, he's exempt. It's, he didn't trip on purpose. It was an accident. Whereas according to Rebbe Meir, he should have been more careful. And that's why Rebbe Meir says he's Chayev. Okay, so therefore we see the... Um, we see the... Uh, we see that Rebbe Meir is very extra cautious. Says a person has to be extra cautious and you'll be liable. And that Shmuel's ruling is in line with Rebbe Meir. I wonder if Shmuel's saying the Halakha there... Or is Shmuel just saying, according to Rebbe Meir, this is what he would hold? Okay, I'm not sure. And um, we'll go. Shabbos' is a bit shorter, so I don't mind stopping.